You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from the triune God. Um, though I'm not married, not married yet, um, my mother um, for many, many years has reserved for a day just like this in my life a box called Photos for Reagan's Fiance. <laughs> it's full of like hundreds of embarrassing photos and recordings and all kinds of things. Um, Amy and Katrina, I hope your moms don't have one of these for you. <laughs> uh, one of the photos in this box that I've seen is me at the age of six, gathered around a plywood banquet table with a gaggle of other children. I had organized a dinner party <laughs> and, and invited all the neighborhood kids. We, we got decked out in our Sunday finest, and I made sure the table was covered in every kind of specialty dish we had. No paper plates or plastic tablecloths. I wanted linen, china, gravy boat, pickle fork, shrimp fork, you name it. If we had it, I wanted it on the table. <laughs> and if you look throughout that box, you'll find that it documents years of dinner parties during my childhood that I carefully serve and prepare in this kind of atmosphere. I wanted an atmosphere that lured people in and made them want to be at the table. I didn't want them to just eat. I wanted them to feast and enjoy themselves. However, what those photos don't show is how upset and stressed I would get even as a child when my guests didn't want to use the shrimp fork <laughs> or came to the table in shorts and t-shirts. For as many times as I threw a dinner party, I'd have a tantrum, sometimes in front of everyone, often deep inside myself, and it made it basically impossible for me to enjoy my own party. As a child and even as an adult, I have often poured energy into one thing, lacking the wisdom to see where our true sustenance and fulfillment comes from. But in today's reading from Proverbs, we receive an invitation to a meal that uses food and drink to lure us towards another feast, a feast that promises rest from our failed attempts at finding fulfillment on our own. You might have noticed in this reading, we receive our invitation to the banquet from wisdom, holy wisdom. Um, and a, but unless you've been hanging around an Eastern Orthodox church or you've been to seminary, you may not have heard much about holy wisdom. Like the word of God or spirit of God, wisdom is one of the many ways that God is personified in scripture. In fact, in Hebrew scripture, God is imagined most often as wisdom. Holy wisdom is the part of God that helps create the universe and who comes to live among people in the actual physical matter of our lives. It's not surprising then that early Christians used the image of wisdom to understand how God came to earth in the form of Jesus, a living, breathing person. Through Christ, wisdom then became the voice that we hear in the ups and downs of our lives 
that speaks freedom, speaks freedom to us when we're stuck and unfulfilled, and wisdom draws us towards things that truly sustain us. But only recently has wisdom begun to regain her seat at the table in churches in the West in America like this. In the evangelical churches of my youth and perhaps yours, wisdom was never presented as a part of God. I don't know if you remember, but in the 1980s, Focus on the Family successfully convinced millions of Christians that the family was under attack and the perfect antidote was to encourage families to start their day with a private family devotion where they would read verses of wisdom from Proverbs. There were even these boxes of wisdom cards sold in churches, like Christian fortune cookies. (laughs) They featured verses like, Hear, my child, your father's instruction, and do not reject your mother's teaching, for they are a fair garland for your head and pendants for your neck. In this uh, system, wisdom, therefore, was understood more like timeless truths of personal morality, obvious common sense that would keep your family from sliding into the abyss of gay and feminist moral decay. But in today's reading from Proverbs, we catch a glimpse of how wisdom has little to do with moral conduct and everything to do with God making a way for us through the mess and grit of human life. In Proverbs, wisdom is imagined as the host of a dinner party who doesn't simply extend an invitation She goes so far as to build the banquet hall, slaughter the meat, prepare the meal, set the table, and then even sends out servants who go into the city and bring people to the banquet. Through this image, wisdom is departed as the part of God that does all she can to lure us towards life in its fullest. Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed, she says, lay aside immaturity and live. Wisdom is God exhausting herself to make the party perfect so that we have every chance at having a fulfilled life. Yet wisdom isn't something that comes to us all at once. Wisdom partners with us like a constant companion, freeing us over the course of our lives. So obviously, of course, I got stressed out when I threw a dinner party at the age of six and at 10, 15, or even 20. Yet over time, I find myself letting go of that stress with each additional party that I throw. Wisdom is the part of God that hasn't let me give up because I didn't have fun at a particular party. Wisdom stirs up the desire in me to keep trying. Wisdom is God not letting me give up because I didn't have fun at that party or this party. Wisdom is God whispering in my ear that the pickable and the shrimp fork aren't the point. (laughs) The food isn't the point. The party isn't even the point. The point is the way in which God comes to us in the midst of our lives and drops these moments of insight. Like gemstones, wisdom's light reflects in the darkness and frustration of life. Wisdom reminds us that God is here always drawing us towards something better. Yet wisdom isn't something that we can collect and hoard and go off and live isolated in our castle of wisdom. Wisdom is something we always do with God and the people of God. 
Unlike knowledge, wisdom isn't something that we can study up on. And unlike moral discipline, we cannot train ourselves to become more wise. The book of Job asks, where then does wisdom come from? The answer doesn't initially sound like good news. Job says, wisdom, it is hidden from all the living. God understands the way to it and knows its place. Truly the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. The fear of the Lord, that's a bummer. The fear of the Lord is definitely not something we throw around much these days. The thought of fearing God isn't a pleasant thought. But if I'm honest, I know there have been many times when my life has boiled down to just me, God, and my fear. In moments like hitting the rock bottom of my drug and alcohol addiction, or the car accident that took the life of my cousin who was like a sister and best friend, in those darkest moments of my life, I reached a point where I felt utterly and completely vulnerable before God. And the only emotion I could feel was fear. But this wasn't a fear like that of Freddy Krueger or getting mugged in the street. No, it was fear because I felt there was nowhere to hide. And I was forced into a state of complete honesty. From your Facebook posts and prayers and the pieces of your lives you share with me, I know that you too have been in these places where your usual defense mechanisms run dry and you have no choice but to stand naked in your fear before God. This unguarded, exposed place, this is the fear of the Lord. This is the origin of wisdom. In our nakedness before God, we are brought to a place where we catch a glimpse of how things really are. Like our confession says, let us confess that God is God and we are not. But it's a terrifying place to be. But if we hang in there, wisdom is that voice that whispers to us, God can definitely use you like this. Wisdom is that scrappy side of God that calls to us from underneath the rubble of our lives and dares to say that she will make a feast out of the brokenness and failings of our lives. Katrina and Amy, on this special day and for all of the people of God, in the coming days and years, may holy wisdom be for you a tree of unending life. May you hold fast to her and be richly blessed all your days. Amen.